Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hyman, coming to you live for episode two of the Coach's Corner segment of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. Today's a big day for us. Uh, We're joined by the one and only Coach Rhodes Dickerson. Uh, Coach Rhodes is a great friend of mine, considering to be a brother. Uh, he's a guy I've had the pleasure of coaching with uh, and watching him coach and lead young men for the last six years. I was able to play against him in high school uh, and was briefly teammates with him in college. He's a phenomenal guy. He's a phenomenal leader of young men, and we're excited to have him on tonight. Coach Rhodes, thanks for joining. How are you tonight? Hey, Coach Hyman, I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, I really uh, I really love listening to your podcast, man. You're putting great information out there. Man, I I really appreciate that. It's uh, you know, it's it's a platform for us as coaches. We talk about this all the time, leaving the world better than we found Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And uh, you're somebody who, you're somebody who originally motivated me to kind of, you know, get into that. I've I've always appreciated and respected the way that you you go about build, building up young men, and uh, you really embody that transformational coaching mindset. So I'm really excited for. Uh, the listeners have an opportunity to learn more about you well, tonight. I'm glad you think that much of me to have me on your podcast, man, because, you know, over the last six years we've coached together and, and all the conversations we've had, it's it's just uh, it, it's great to have somebody like you and all the coaches at South Florence that we can actually sit back and talk about what really matters, and, and that's the kids. Absolutely, and I think that's something that's been at the forefront uh, of your coaching career, so uh, I'm excited to talk about it. So, you know, out, I obviously know what you're all about. I've had the pleasure of knowing you, you know, basically our whole, pretty much our whole life. I remember you back in your days at Darlington Rec Fields over there on Blue Street, hitting dingers <laughs> into that tree over yeah. there. Um, my cousin Dustin, you played with him. You know, he talks about he's, you know, he talks about you like you're a legend over there. But you know, to all our our listeners, you know, some people don't know who Coach Rhodes Dickerson is. So. You know, I think it's important for our listeners to understand and know who you are as a man and then kind of learn a little bit more as you as a coach. So talk to us about Rhodes Dickerson and then talk to us about Coach Dickerson. All right, so you uh, you just want me to start with, like, background stuff? Yeah, man, background, family, um, then jump in maybe your background in baseball. What kind of prepared you to right. to get into, you know, what called you to coach and all, all right. that? All right, well, uh, to start with, um, I'm working on my sixth year of marriage to my lovely wife, Macy. Um, first off, I couldn't do the coaching gig without her support. You know, and the funny story is when, when I met her at Francis Marion in 2011, you know, I actually carried her groceries into her, to her dorm room, um, on the first day of school, but we won't get into that. But, um, she, I told her hmm, probably a few months into to, to dating her. I told her, I said, Hey, look, you know, <laughs> baseball has been around, you know, in my life for as long as I can remember. So if you're, if you're ready to start dating and, and, and be with me, you know, baseball is one of those things that's non-negotiable for me. And, you know, she, she, uh, she jumped right in and she, she, uh, came to all my games. Um, she supports me coaching and you know what? Over the last four or five years, she's actually got into coaching. She's now the uh, head uh, varsity uh, volleyball coach at Carver's Bay High School and the head softball varsity coach at Carver's Bay High School. So I, I like to think that that my coaching kind of kind of led her towards her coaching route. And, um, last no doubt last, about ju- last oh, July, uh, we had a beautiful baby boy. His name's Jax. Um, 
he's precious, man. I, I wouldn't trade him for the world. You know, the whole cliche of, of baby boys is if you're a baseball coach, you want a left-handed baseball player, right? So I've been watching, watching him, uh, in the living room these past few weeks. And every time he picks up the baseball, he picks up with his left hand. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's going to be a left-hander, but you never know how that's, yes, you sir. never know how that's going to turn out. Um, but let's start back. Um, when I was young, like you said, I played rec baseball at, uh, in Darlington. That's where I grew up. Uh, parents, uh, Julian and Kelly Dickerson, they, uh, supported me throughout my whole baseball career. Um, came to every game, bought every, you know, baseball equipment, sporting equipment thing I, I ever needed. Um, my brother Bryant came along when I was 12 years old, and I remember playing baseball, I don't know, in high school, and I'd be watching – I'd be playing the game, trying to watch him outside the fence at the same time to make sure he was um, – make sure he was all right and, and doing what he was supposed to do. So I guess, you know, mentoring kids and 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 coaching children kind of started at a young age for me because there was 12 years between me and my brother um so i kind of got an early start on that but um so let's go back darlington rec ball played you know nine through 13 or whatever it is up the pony league um went into middle school which was called junior high back then uh darlington uh-huh. darlington high school didn't allow us to play JV as middle schooler. So I played two years of middle school baseball and then transitioned into high school in ninth grade. Um, you know, I went through the tryout process, did the best I could, ended up uh, Coach Smith at the time, Coach Robbie Smith, he uh, ended up putting me on varsity. So, you know, I never had the privilege of, of wearing a JV jersey. And, and you know, Get, being thrown into high school baseball like that at, in ninth grade, you know, that's tough. Um, because, you know, just as well as I do, I mean, you were in high school, we were playing guys like uh, like at Hartsville, like Jordan Lyles and Patrick Mincy. And, you know, me being 14 years old trying to face that type of pitching, man, that was a that was a learning curve for me. And, you know. Uh, Think or swim, yeah, buddy. So that first year I struggled mightily at the plate. And, uh, you know, there was a few things I had to change, and I ended up working those out and ended up having a really good career 10th through uh, 12th grade year at, at Darlington High School. Um, so after Darlington High School, well, in after my hey, – yeah. Reg, yeah. before you jump in that, I, I wanted to make okay. a comment because you you uh, you brought up a couple really important things yeah. there. Uh, one observation I've always made about you – uh, is how important your family right. is to you. And, you know, your wife, she's been 100% bought in on all the, all the different things we've, we've gotten our hands into, you know, Absolutely. just things as simple as, you know, her making the base two board for us and stuff like this, uh, stuff like that, or her making the flyers yep. for the golf ball drop. So, you know, I think behind every great coach is a great woman and, you know, your testament to your wife, that's just another, just, incredible that's another great thing about you know this profession we can't do what we do without great that, that's lives. a that's a hundred percent fact and you know she she has supported me i started coaching in 2011 and she's been beside me ever since and we we didn't get married until 2017 but uh you know she she's quick to hop in if we need help she makes the flyers for the golf ball drop she comes out there for the golf ball tournament and works the table um 
you know, anything I ask of her, she tries to do the best she can for me and our program. And I, I couldn't appreciate her any, any more than I, than I do now. Absolutely. The, uh, the next thing is your mom and your dad and your brother, you know, I've, like I said, I, your mom, uh, is somebody that I remember even when I was playing baseball because she was always just that super nice lady who you never looking back, um, while we were growing up playing against each other, you know, she would talk to me like, you know, she was like the team Absolutely. mom or something. I played on the other team and she, she just was a phenomenal person. And your dad, I'm, I've gotten the opportunity to get to know him a little bit more over the last few years. And, um, I just, and your brother, the way he competes, right. I always watch, loved watching the way he competed at Darlington high school. So it just, you're, I, my point of all that was the value of family to you. Um, and just the type of people that, you know, you're the people in your life are just phenomenal people. So I just wanted to give you that comment. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'll let you get back to, you, you know, man, we I'm going to, um, I'm going to tell you a quote. My dad told me probably when I was 13 or 14, um, he told me, he said, I had a, I had a rough game. I, I can't remember what happened, but I know we lost. I think I pitched. It might have been one of the latter games that I pitched in my career before I hurt my elbow, but I had a – it was a rough game. I know we lost, and, and he told me, he said, man, it don't matter what race we're in, you're always going to be my horse. Man, that's awesome. And you know, I, yeah. uh, I try to take that same approach to all our kids man because it, it doesn't matter who we play it doesn't matter you know what the odds are against us if we're favored to win or or whatever those are our kids so you know i i got no reservations i got That's no powerful, reservations man. about supporting our kids and 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 how they play the game and it doesn't matter if we win by twenty or lose by twenty, man. They'll always they'll always be our horses in whatever race we run. So that's kind of that's kind of my man, mindset towards the coaching. That's thing, powerful. So. Powerful. Um, yeah. Okay, so kind of shifting gears a little bit. So we we talked a little bit about you know family. Yeah. Beautiful son Jax, who I hope is going to be a South Florence baseball player. I hope he's left-handed <laughs> as well. Um, but let's talk about your playing right. career because, you know, me and you took two totally different paths in, yeah. in the game. I, we've, we've told our players this before. You know, you took that blue-collar. I mean, you were really good, but you were blue-collar, locked in. Um, you know, you stayed. You kept your eye on the prize even when things got tough. I, I wasn't that tough. You know, I, I kind of cared about the, the extra things a little too much, and, and I lost my way. Now, we both ended up somewhere near right. each other in the mm -hmm. end as far as the path we took to Absolutely. being coaches and all that. But talk talk about your journey as a player and kind of then we'll kind of go into your journey as a all coach. All right, so uh, coming out of high school, um, I had played two senior legion seasons in Bishopville with uh, Coach McDonald, who is now – you know, the head coach at Florence Darlington Tech, and they're ranked in the top 10 every year, just about, it seems like, in JUCO baseball. And, you know, at the end of that 2009 summer, you know, I'd had a few D2 offers, you know, maybe a JUCO here or there, but I hadn't really made my mind up. I, 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 had, I had pretty much made my mind up that I was going to go to Erskine and play with uh, Philip Herring, who played in Dillon. He was a star catcher 
and a pitcher at Dillon High School. And, Great player. Uh, you know, some just some just held me back from from committing and signing that letter of intent to to Erskine. And at the end of that summer, after we had got done playing Legion ball, you know, you know, I found out PMAC had got the head job at Florence Drawing and Tech, and you know, he was like, "Hey, man." If you want to play college baseball, come on over here with me. We'll try to get you somewhere after after Flodar. And I was like, you know what, man? Sounds great to me. So I signed my letter of intent. I went to Tech. Well, I can tell you right now, the first day of fall conditioning, I could already tell that I was just out of my league with being in shape uh, mentally because you know just as well as I do, PMAC, that first, that first two weeks in the fall, man, it's a grind. And he's going to break you, man. I just remember, I think I remember going out there two weeks in a row and not even picking up a baseball. And I'm thinking, my God, are we playing college baseball? Are we, are we a track team? You know? So, um, shout out to coach P Mac for making us run so much, but, um, you know, it was either, it was either get with the program or get gone. And I, I was never one to quit or, or say, you know, this is too hard for me. So I worked hard. I did what I was supposed to do. You know, those times that I that I wasn't making to start with, I ended up making them. Those ten eight six fours killed me, man. You know, hundred yard sprints ten times, eighty yard sprints eight times, sixty forty. You know, had to do it in like nine at nine minutes or something like that. I think the first time I ran it, it was like twelve minutes. Well, as I kept doing it, by the time I left Tech. Two years later, I was running in like eight minutes and 15 seconds. So, you know, that's not a shout out to me. That's just a testament to how hard I work to try to stay, you know, in the group and not be the one outside the group, not making times and causing people to run extra and all that stuff. But, you know, high school ball transitioning to college baseball, it's a whole nother step because in high school baseball, you might see this guy throwing 88 to 90 once every two or three weeks. Well, in college, it's every day. You know, every day there's a guy stepping on the mound who can, you know, shut you down. So, you know, I had to change my swing when I got to college because I just wasn't catching up to it, man. And, and I worked hard and I worked hard. And that first year, PMAC was like, hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a travel roster in the fall. If, if your name's on there Saturday, you go Saturday. If it's on there Sunday, you go Sunday. Well, the first weekend, my name was on there on Saturday, and I had Sunday off. And then by the time it got to the next week, my name was on there Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, there was no breaks. It was Monday through Sunday. And, you know, practice three to four hours a day, go home, do work, get up the next morning, go run at 6 a.m. I mean, it was a grind, dude. And, you know, some of these kids, you know, they talk to talk and they want to they wanna go play college baseball, but I don't think some of them quite understand what kind of commitment that takes. Um, but anyway, I played at Tech for two years, had a pretty solid career, um, ended up committing to Francis Marion in the spring of 2011 um, for Coach Nabinet. I get there in 2011. You know, I go from JUCO baseball to D2 baseball. It's a whole different ball game. I got a lot more time off. Um, there's certain rules of how many hours you can practice in a week. So we would practice those hours, and then you'd have time off that I wasn't used to having. Um, that took a lot of getting used to with the school and, and, and doing all that. But, you know, um, 
this is kind of a tough part in my baseball career because my junior year, um, you know, when the season started in 2012, I wasn't on the opening day lineup. And but before you before okay. you tell that story, just so we can we can make sure we level set with the right. people listening here. Up to this point in your baseball career, had you faced much adversity? Um, other than my freshman year of high school, no. Okay, so you feel like, you know, this was from a character build, the story you're about to tell from, because I know what story you're about to tell, and it's one of my favorite stories that you, you tell yeah. to our players. Um, and you always tell it at the right part of the season where they right. need to hear it. And, um, okay, I just want to make sure the audience, the people listening understood that, you know, kind of your path up to this point outside of that freshman year hadn't been a lot of adversity. So to kind of the point we talked to our players about, like adversity is a big thing and adversity makes or breaks mm-hmm. a lot of players. And, and your story, it, it made you. So tell that story because I want uh, players, coaches, parents there's a lesson to be learned here and right. i want everybody so, to hear it uh junior year opening day lineup i was not on the opening day lineup second game i wasn't on the on the lineup third game wasn't on the lineup we got about 10 12 games in um i think i got a dh opportunity i went over three um didn't see the field again i wasn't even on the travel roster um so i didn't i didn't travel um when I went and talked to coach about it, um, just asked him, you know, what I could do to 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 possibly make the travel roster, actually get some playing time. You know, he he told me something that has stuck with me my whole life since then. And it's, you know, you need to stay coiled up like a snake, and you need to be ready to attack. You know, you need to be ready to attack when your number's called. You know, at the at the time, I was thinking, man, is that really all? Is that really all you're gonna tell me? And yeah, that was all he told me. And, you know, from that day on, I didn't look at practice as, well, I'm just going to go out here and, and go through the motions because I'm not going to play anyway, you know, because a lot of kids do that. A lot of kids come out there and they're like, well, you know, he's not going to start me. So why should I give 110% at practice, you know, and, and, and they just kind of waste the time away at practice when they could put their nose in the ground, get better. Uh, learn what they're doing wrong, um, keep asking for help, um, keep just keep competing. And, you know, and, and that's something I, yeah, that, that I try to tell the kids now, is just keep competing because you never know when your number's going to get called. So um, the, the games went by, the games went by. I think I had mm, 15 or 16 plate appearances that year. And, you know, you know, Man, you know at Tech tough. – I was everyday starter. I played four games on the weekends. I played the weekday games. I batted, you know, four or five or six hole. I mean, I think when I left tech, I think my batting average was like as a as a as a career at tech, I think it was like three eighty something. So I mean, you know, I hit the ball, I drove in runs, I played first base. I think I made four errors at first base. So I mean, I, I'd like to think that, you know, I can I can play a Pretty little baseball. Good. But when I- Absolutely. Hey, and, and to our listeners, he can still get out there and swing it pretty good, too, <laughs> yeah. for an old man. Oh, man. So, yeah. all right. um, but, you know, at that junior year, you know, I, I kind of got into a – I wouldn't say I was depressed, but you could tell something was off with me. Like, it was just – you know, it, it almost felt like baseball 
was still there, but it wasn't, you know? So the act of competing during the game wasn't there anymore. And I just, I had to, I had to make a choice. It was either hang them up or, or, or get with the program, put my nose in the ground and, and do what I could to control what I could control. And, you know, I, that's what I did. I practiced every day as hard as I could. I got out there. I ran my sprints before practice. I, I, I did what he asked. Um, whatever was asked of me, I did. I did it for the team. I was there on game day. I cheered the team on, whatever they needed. And then for some reason, for some reason in the conference tournament, um, my number was called. And I started game one of the conference tournament. I think I batted eight hole or something like that. But I was playing first base. And, you know, at this, up to this point, I'd had like under 20 at bats. So I, I, your, guess is, your guess is as good I, as mine. So I, I think that's – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I think like for a player listening to this, like player listening to it, a parent who's watching their child go through a similar situation, right. you know, I, I think the thing you got to understand is like for somebody like yourself, you were used to being the right. number one at worst, the number two player on, on every team you ever played on until you got right. to college. And then you got to college, and it was a little tough to begin with, but then you carved a, a, a everyday rollout for yourself through hard work and, and, and getting the job done. Then you go to Francis Marion, and that for the first time in your life, uh, you're no right. longer that, that was, dude. That was a hard pill to swallow. And, and it's it's a hard pill to swallow, and I think it's something that our young our players now they they struggle with it a lot. So continue with your story because I think this is this is you're really hammering home that point about why you just keep showing right. up every day and and digging your heels in it and so, getting after it. So I got it. I was batting in the eight hole. Um, I can't remember who we were playing or, or we played five games. I know, and I started all five games in the conference tournament. I think I hit like seven hundred with nine RBIs. I mean, I I just I just I just had a good I had a good five games and you know I'm thinking I'm real real proud of myself I'm happy we get to practice we practice for another week we head down to regionals I'm back on the bench <laughs> like sitting on the bench not starting not playing I think I sit the first game I think I get to I either DH the second game or play first base or something so, I played the second game I think I went 0 for two. Got pulled out. Um, still, you know, I didn't ask why. I didn't, you know, I I don't know why I didn't ask why, but I just, you know, I stayed the course. I think we lost out in the regionals. We come back home. I had a decision to make. Was I going to hang them up, go try to play somewhere else, or was I going to prove to myself that – I, I was still the guy that I that I came in as, you know. So I decided mm -hmm. to go back to Francis Marion. Uh, had a good fall. Um, I think my fall exit meeting went sort of like, well, you and the other guy are playing really well. We're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see who wins the battle when you get back from Christmas break. And you know, that whole junior year just kind of flew over me in that moment. And, you know, I think I told him, I said, you know, when I come back from Christmas break, there won't be any doubt in, who, in your mind or anybody's mind who's going to be playing first base. 
and that's what I did, man. I, I, I told myself that I was going to prove that, that I was the player that I knew I could be. I think I played – if we played 50-something games that year, I think I started first base in 52, 50 of them. Um, I think I had as – a, as a conference batting average, I think I batted 370. As a whole, it was like 320. Um. Hey, and, and for those that don't know, at that time, Francis Marion was yeah. at the Peach Belt, and the Peach Belt was the SEC of Division and, and, Two and baseball. I, just want, I mean, I just want that's the no joke. To know that I'm not. This isn't a pat me on the back moment. This is just an explanation of, you know, moving into how, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to ask me about the players and and how I coach, and I'll get into that later. But it's just a testament of if you put your nose down and you keep doing what you know is right and you keep battling and you keep competing that you go out there and you play the game, and let the cards fall where they may, you know, you can't just give up on your dreams or your hopes because, you know, you're not playing today or you're not playing tomorrow. You just got to keep on keeping on, you know, keep on show up every day, 110%, learn what you can, take it, use it. Um, and when your number's called, you got to you got to stay coiled up like a snake, ready to strike, man. Art and yep. Abinant special, I yep. love that, man. Okay, well, that gives everybody kind of an insight into your background, right. your family, you know, and stuff like that. And I think, you know, as a coach, to to your point earlier, and I am about to ask you some questions about you as a coach. Um, our life experiences up to this point in our life before we became coaches help dictate and drive like us and the things that are important to us and the things that, you know, we're all about and the things we try to instill in the young men that we have the privilege right. of coaching. Um, so obviously your life's prepared you uh, very good to be the great coach that you are. But at what point did you get called into coaching so, high school? Like at what, more, at what point were you like, I want to be a high school so, baseball coach? Um, I'm going to use a quote off of uh, Moneyball with Billy Bean. That's what um, I'm talking about. I think the quote says some people are told at 18, some people are told at 22, and some people are told at 40 that they can no longer play the game they love. Well, I was told that mm -hmm. at 22. So, yep. like I told Macy, you know, years ago, baseball was my first love, and I felt like I had more to give to the game. But – it wasn't in a playing role. It was in a mentor coaching role. And, you know, in 2010, I played for Derek Urquhart on the Florence American Legion team. And I think um, that next summer, I, I called Coach Urquhart up and I said, hey, man, do you have a spot on your staff? I'd like to I'd like to come coach um, American Legion with you. And, you know, he he was – he was quick to say yes. And I, and I, I appreciate that from him because 2011 was my first season and this coming up year, 2023 will be my 12th or 13th season. If I got the math, right. Something like that. 12 or 13. That, that sounds right. Um, we've won five state championships in American Legion um, since that point, 2011. And I, I thank him because he was the first person that gave me an opportunity to coach um, but in 2011, when I first started coaching, you know, I was still young and I was like 20. So me being 20, 21 years old, trying to coach 
17 to 19, 16 to 19 year olds, you know, sometimes I don't mess well because they're like, well, dude, you, you're still playing college ball. What do you know? So, you know, right. that was a, that was kind of a tricky line to, to have to cross. And I think coaching at an early age like that with the older kids helped me to find that, that thin line between, all right, first you got to prove to these kids, you know what you're talking about. And the way you do that is, when you coach them, they have to see instant results. Okay. So if you're coaching them and they're not seeing instant results and they're probably thinking, well, this guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. And I'm not saying instant results game wise. I'm just saying like at practice, you're trying to yeah, yeah. positive feedback. like um, instantly. And then you have to have, then you have to have a relationship that. with them to where they respect you. So, you know, there's, there's a thin line where you can have that, that kidding side of you where, where you, you kid around with them, but at the end of the day, they know when you say do something or you say to, to, you need to listen up and learn, blah, 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 then they, they know it's time to listen up. And I think early coaching early on to those older kids with me still being young, I think that really helped me set the type of, of coaching that I want to, that I want to, or the type of coach that I want to be, you know, because, you know, coaching to me is all about relationships. You know, I think Coach Beamer said it best a couple years ago when he said you win with people. So, you know, it, if the kids don't trust you and the kids don't respect you, because there's a there's a fine line between actually listening to you and actually hearing you. And, you know, Absolutely. the kids hear us all the time, but do they actually listen to us? And I think mm. from the way – that that I I have approached these kids, I think that they do listen to me, and I think they take what I say to heart, and I think they respect what I have to say. Um, I could be wrong, but you know, the last twelve or thirteen years, I'm, I think the I think the results well, speak for themselves. As I far can tell as, you, yeah. I can tell you when I, I can tell you how I knew that I had made impact on kids' lives, and it's not, it's not about winning on the field it's not about if they did what i told them to do but when macy found out she was pregnant with jacks okay and i sent out the text message letting some of my former players know you know them texting me back congratulations so happy for you and then you know some of the kids on the south florence team like jake hardy and palmer and and Jr. and Stone and Parker. Um, sorry if I'm leaving anybody out, but those are the ones that come to mind. You know, they were just excited as I was, man, about me having a child. You know, and 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 to come to the ball field every day, and and one of your players ask you, "Hey, man, how's your wife doing? Is she doing all right? The baby's doing good. Did you have a doctor's appointment this week?" I mean, that means a lot, dude. And Absolutely. and and to me, that's how I knew that what I was doing with these kids was the right – it was the right – I've had the right approach all these years because the when you when the kids know you care, they care. And when they care, dude, it means a whole lot more um, than any trophy you could ever win. You nailed that on the head, man. We've talked about – I know we've had conversations about this a lot, about the whole idea around transactional right. coaching versus transformational coaching. And the, the stuff you're talking about right now, that's all as a result of being a transformational coach. When you make it more about 
the people around you and less about what they do for you, that's the outcome you get. Those guys who care more about right. you and your family, uh, they care more about, you know, and as a result of all the care and the love that gets passed around, they'll go out and they, they it just means more to them when they go out and compete for people that they know see them as more than just a means right. to an end. They see them as Absolutely. You know, people that, when they hurt, we hurt. When they they're when they have success, we're have you know, it's just it's I, I wish in this profession everybody was that way and unfortunately right. everybody's not. Um and I and I think that's why a lot of times you see some of these really good, really talented teams that maybe aren't led by somebody that those guys know would lay down in front of a bus for them, they don't achieve the well, things that they probably could achieve because sorry but, I mean interrupt you, but I was gonna say I was gonna no, say No, no, it's okay. Um, you know, I, at South Florence, I think those kids know that we love them, and I think they know where we're coming from. And I think the success that we've built over the years as a coaching staff with our players, I, I think it, it shows every year with the amount of games that we win, with the amount of character, character, um, the high character guys that we, we produce every year and, and – I just want to say that that I'm I'm really blessed to be at South Florence with not just great baseball coaches but great coaches in general um, because you know yep. I think we got a bunch of great leaders at South Florence. Hundred percent, man. I I couldn't agree with you more. I, I said for a long time we've got great kids, yep. we got great coaches, and you know for the most part Absolutely. we got great parents too. So we're really blessed about that. Now, um, you know. So your coaching yep. career started yep. with Derek Urquhart, and you know you actually coached with two yep. guys that I think are a lot of. Um, so I want, yep. if you don't mind, talk to us about your time with Coach Jack Jolly, who is obviously a tremendous. I mean, he's on my Mount right. Ru- my Mount Rushmore of coaches in the state because I just he's a man who does it right. Um, and then the guy we coach with now, Coach Kenny Gray, right. who was my high school coach. Talk about, you know, your time with both of them, Any anything you've learned from either one and, and so, stuff like that. When I was at Francis Marion, I wasn't real sure of what major I wanted to graduate with. And when I met Macy, her family is full of teachers. So as my baseball career was coming to an end, I was like, I want to coach baseball. I love sports. I'm pretty good at most sports. What's the obvious choice here? physical education right so at the time as i don't don't think francis marion has it now either but francis marion didn't offer physical education as a major but coastal did so i took my prerequisite education classes at uh francis marion transferred to coastal two years there graduated in 2015 with a bachelor of science degree in physical education um now i teach pe at elementary school um at dewey carter shout out to miss frazier and miss cullen love them to death couldn't work for better uh, principal and assistant principal. Um, but in 2015, when I was at Coastal, I reached out to Coach Jolly at Carolina Forest, and I asked him, did he have any room for a volunteer coach? And, you know, he 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 reached back out to me, and he was like, well, let's meet. So I met up with him at the baseball field. He found out what I was all about. He asked me a few questions. He said, I'd love to have you. Um, so I come out there, and I spent the 2015 season – coaching Carolina Forest High School varsity baseball, um, where I met to this day Coach Jack Jolly and Coach Tom Pasco. 
friends to this day. I can text Coach Jolly or Coach Pasco right now and ask them any question I want to, and they'll they'll get back with me with an answer. But you know, Coach Jolly, um, I I think he you know he's coached for a long time. He was the first baseball coach at Carolina Forest when they had a school. I think in two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, somewhere in there. I think they started Carolina Forest High School, but. Um, there's two things that I learned from Coach Jolly um, that I continue to do today. And, you know, when I first went out there, he, his, he had practice plans and they were time, you know, sectioned off with times. And he, if he had 15 minutes on bunt coverages, that's what he did, 15 minutes on bunt coverages. Then he rolled into double cuts. That was 10 minutes. And if they didn't get it done, they'd roll back to it the next day. But he stayed on a time schedule. And those kids knew when they got there from 4 o'clock to 4.20, this is what they were doing. From 4.20 to 4.40, this is what they were doing and so forth. And, you know, the last couple of years um, at South Florence, Coach Gray has um, kind of allowed allowed us, you know, with all of us speaking to create practice plans. And I think that's helped us tremendously at South Florence. But let me get back to Coach Jolly. Um Second thing is, I watched how he reprimanded the kids when they didn't do what he wanted them to do, and he wasn't the screaming type coach that would just berate them from the dugout or or yell at them in front of everybody. He'd pull them off into the corner of the dugout, or he'd meet them out there halfway, and he'd have a uncomfortable conversation with them about what they were supposed to do, what they had learned, what he had taught them to do, and what they weren't doing, and. I try to I try to take that approach to the kids. I try not to embarrass them in front of everybody uh, because they're already embarrassed enough if they messed up, right? So I, I try Absolutely. not to embarrass yeah. them in front of everybody. Now, sometimes do they need to be embarrassed, probably. But my coaching approach is let's pull them off to the side. Let's have a conversation. You know, here's what you need to work on. Here's what you did wrong. Um, let's fix it. And those are the two biggest things I learned from Coach Jolly from coaching at Carolina Forest in that first year. Um, I think we won the region that year in 5A. That was with South Florence West, Socasty, Sumter. And I think we played for a lower state. Probably yeah, I think we James. played we lost we lost two games to Wando in the lower state championship, I believe, and both games were two to nothing. <laughs> I I remember that. So you know and then Well I want I just want to say one thing about that because that's one thing I've always appreciated uh, just since I really got to know you, know you over the last six years coaching with you. I, I think when I got into coaching early on, I thought that, you know, you had to be more Frank Martin right. in your delivery. And what you find out early on when you step into it with that mindset is that doesn't work, right? Because, you know, I, I think Frank Martin does a lot of good things well. Um has done some great things in the past, but I think I looked at him and, and idolized, idolized some of the things early on that, you know, he just demanded respect and, you know, he demanded perfection and, and all this. And, and we play in a game that is, I, I, I label it as the number one morale killing oh, sport absolutely. in the world. And I think something that you brought to me as a coach was the whole love concept and the whole, Hey man, let's, like, yeah, they might need you to talk to them, but like, let's do it in a way that doesn't embarrass them and still 
that way they still have the courage right. to get up and go fight again on the next pitch, the next inning or whatever. And that's that's something that you brought to the table that I now know you learned from Coach Jolly, which makes sense that, you know, has helped me build right. as a coach as well. So, thanks, so thank you for bringing that. And the one last thing regarding the practice plans and, and the block schedule and the time schedule, it's been instrumental in our focus level at practice uh, for the last few years since we started doing that. So absolutely agree with all those things. Um, Continue. So, which leads me to, I graduated from Coastal in 2015. Um, I'm looking for a PE job. You know, Florence is pretty much all I've known for the last, let's see, five years at that point. You know, I've built a, a kind of a family community type atmosphere with myself in Florence with the with the kids that I coached in the PD area with coaching Legion. So I thought, you know, what better place to start high school coaching than Florence? So it was a summer afternoon. Um, I think Coach Gray called me, reached out to me, and he said, hey, man, I understand you're, you're uh, interested in um, coaching high school baseball. And I said, yes, sir, I am. Um, he said, how would you like to be a coach at South Florence? And then me and him started talking and we talked, we probably talked for about an hour and, you know, I liked what he was selling. So I was like, let's do it coach. So I came to Florence. I got me a hat. I remember posting the hat on uh, Instagram at the time saying new home, let's go or something like that. And, you know, since then, since 2000, the fall of 2015, South Florence has been my home coaching baseball and I'm working on my eighth year. Um, you know, Coach Gray has been instrumental in my growth as a person and as a coach because, you know, Coach Gray's been doing this for 20-something, almost 30 years. Yeah, like I think yeah, almost 30 years as a head coach, at least 25 you know, so as a head coach. He's taught me how to handle certain situations and, you know, I can tell you one thing I've learned from Coach Gray, and I still struggle with this, and you know I struggle with this. Sometimes I get a little hot-headed about maybe some of the things that are out of my control, like, you know, outside of – I don't know. I just – stuff happens, and I get a little upset about it, and he's like, man, you can't you can't just get upset like that. you got to be even kill. you got to – you know, you can't you can't worry about that stuff like that because you can't you know, you can't control, you know, what may happen outside the fence or you can't control what people say yeah. or or what what may happen about rankings or whatever. And, you know, and I think watching Coach Gray deal with stuff like that has helped me become a better person and a coach because, you know, the same way that I, I coach those kids, you know, I have to make sure that I'm doing the same thing when I'm not coaching those kids and, you know, I think I've gotten a lot better with that over the years of not letting certain things bother me as much. Um, because I just, I just know how hard we work out there and I know how hard those kids work. And, you know, I just get upset over some things that I, you know, I shouldn't get upset with. And coach Gray's absolutely helped me with understanding, you know, dude, in the long scheme of the things, that stuff don't matter. That stuff don't matter. Right. I, I think I think he's always uh, been steady Eddie about things like he always talks about, you know, he, he uses the analogy with us about right. he's like a duck, you know, like you see a duck floating on water and they're super peaceful and they're just, 
you know, just floating, <laughs> looking happy, but underneath the surface, what you can't see is their feet are going like a yeah. thousand miles an hour. Right. And, uh, he's, he's always used that analogy with us. And to your point, you're exactly right. Cause those are the areas where, you know, I think experience and being around this game a long time and just kind of him learning from mistakes or, you know, learning from the trials and tribulations that maybe he went through is, has helped him pass that on to us as coaches. And, so I think that's, and another that's thing, a great shout um, out there. Skill wise that I've learned from coach Gray is, you know, I, I like at, for post one, I, I'm, I'm considered the hitting coach. And I think at South Florence, I'm considered the hitting coach along with everybody else. But, you know, when times are rough and the hitting's not going too good, Coach Gray is real quick to pull out a 1990s hitting drill that brings it back to basics, dude, that I'm like, man, I never even thought that was a thing. And, you know, I've learned so much. I've learned all yeah, hat drill, I, fence I've drill. I've learned so you much know. from him just with those basic drills that it's helped me become a better coach. And, you know, shout out to Coach Gray for that. Absolutely. I, I still remember, you know, I, I talk about this last year when we were on the way back from North Myrtle Beach and we were all, you know, we had a rough three-game set there where we're on a losing streak. Kind of felt like what started off as a season of promise was kind of taking a nosedive. And I just remember him kind of – I remember you two instrumental things happened at the next practice. Number one, you took those guys out in the players' parking lot yep. and y'all had a yep. conversation. and. To this day, I don't know what that conversation looked like, but I know they were a different team when they came back. And the second thing that happened that day was Coach Gray went back to the base. I remember he put them all in a circle. And we went through like like yep. we were doing South Florence baseball yep. hitting camp, you know, basic drills. And, and dude, we were at that point in time, we were on track to break this, the strikeout record um, as a team for some Man, you know, I can offensively. Tell you, I can tell you right and, now – that's that talk we had in the parking lot it was about you remember the speech from coach carter it's uh i it's, do man. it's not our darkness that most frightens us or it's it it yeah yeah our greatest fear it, is yeah. not that we're yeah, inadequate that yeah i dissected that speech and we talked about that speech out there in that parking lot and i asked them if they had anything they needed to say and some people said what they needed to say and I said, all right, when we when we get up from here and we walk through this gate, the season starts over. Okay. So when you decide when you decide to get and up and walk through this gate, you're you're joining the journey. Okay. So there's gonna be no more pouting. There's gonna be no more me. There's gonna be team. It's gonna be we. We're gonna get this done, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, from that moment on, the kids bought in each and other did. and we ended up having a successful season. You know, we came, we fell short of what our goal was, but at the end of the day, I felt like as a team, we grew um, from where we started, and that's 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 all you can ask for when you're talking about kids, man. Absolutely, great, great points there, Coach. Um, anything else from a coaching standpoint that you know? Anything else that you want to make sure people know? This is what Coach Dickerson's um, all about. I think I told the kids, the JV kids the other day uh, about mental toughness. Um, you know, me and you have talked for hours <laughs> the last few years on the phone about how can we get these kids mentally tough? How can we, how can we help these kids, you know, get over the bridge, get over the, the adversity that they face. And, you know, the two things that I told the kids the other day was 
adaptation to distraction. How do they handle distraction? Because the other team in the dugout is is something they can't control. They need to worry about what they can control. Um, how do they adapt to the fans? To you know, even their parents talking to them, can they adapt it to you know their yeah. parents talking to them, the other team's parents talking to them, the other team's parents cheering? You know, the umpire making a bad call. Um, you know, that's that is mental toughness. When you can answer those questions and you can say, "This is how I deal with distractions," then you have become mentally tough. Um, also, also um, playing for the moment and then not hanging on the moment. So you prepare yourself okay. for every moment in the ball game, whether that's the first pitch of the game, the eighth pitch of the game, your fourth ground ball you've, you're trying to field, uh, your fourth hit or your third strikeout, you know, you prepare for all those moments and then those moments are gone. You can't bring them back. So why, why would you consume yourself with things that happened in the past when you can move on to the next moment? Because there's always going to be another moment until somebody tells you <clears throat> you can no longer play the game. And then those moments turn into life decisions, job decisions, family decisions. So, you know, you can't be caught up on, you know, what happened yesterday or what happened last at bat or what happened last at pitch. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I hope Aiden Palmer don't get mad at me for saying this, but we had a scrimmage game uh, a couple weeks ago and Aiden got rung up on a on a bad call. I mean, it was – two inches off the dirt. I mean, it was ball. It was a ball. He called yep. strike three. He stands there. He looks at the umpire. He goes back to the dugout. He comes up to me the next half inning, and, I, and he said, Coach, what am I supposed to do there? And I said, Palmer, did he call it strike three? And he said, yes, sir, he did. I said, well, then you turn around and you run back to the dugout. I said, there's nothing you can do, son. I said, if he calls strike three, you run back to the dugout. You wash it, you flush it, you move on to the next play. Um, and I think that is a vital part of being a baseball player because I have said for years, baseball will beat you down quicker than any game or any sport known to man because it is a game of failure. Three out of ten will get you in the Hall of Fame. There is no other sport that I know of that you can succeed three out of ten times and be considered great. If you make three out of ten from the free throw line, you can't shoot. If you if you complete three out of ten passing in football, you can't pass. If you're a receiver and you catch three out of ten, you can't catch. I mean, am I wrong? So no, you, you know, nailed it. Baseball right on the head, success dude. rate is. 30%. That means you're going to fail 70% of the time. You have to be mentally tough to play this game, and you have to be able to move on from moments that aren't your best. And the quicker these kids can learn that, the better off they'll be. And I think that's one thing, you know, as a player, when they, when they come to us, 
you know, it might be – you might be like like me. You might be the best player on your rec league team. You might be the best player in middle school. But when you get to high school, the level of play increases. And you have to be able – you have to be able to to – live moment to moment and forget the moments that happen because if you go up there your first at bat and you strike out and you go up there your second at bat and you hit a home run well guess what you still struck out your first at bat it doesn't go anywhere like it's going in the stat sheet you 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 k'd up but it's okay it's okay to fail and i think these kids are so they're so um yeah, they're so afraid to afraid fail to because fail, they think if I fail, I suck, and that's not the case. You can't learn unless you Absolutely fail. Absolutely not. And going back to my junior year of college, I failed, and I either had to learn from it or I had to bury it, and I chose to learn from it. And I think it made me a better person, a better man, uh, a better a better player, and a better coach for it. Dang. For anybody listening, if you want some just absolute pure audio gold, re, re, uh, rewind back <laughs> about five minutes and listen to this on repeat. If you want to be ready to, if you want to wake up every morning and run through a wall, rewind this five minutes and listen to that mm. when you put your feet on the ground in the morning. That was awesome, coach. Thanks, man. Thank you for sharing that. That was I can't, I, that was top notch. And, and that came you know, straight from I, the heart, man. I'm not shocked because I know, man, because that's what you're all about, dude. It's, uh, it's, I think having you as a friend, having you as a coach, um, you know, I guess we're colleagues nah, in man, the coaching bro- world or whatever, you know, brothers. it's given abs- absolutely. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely brothers. But from, uh, you made it okay for me as a coach to be vulnerable and to not be that hard nosed, right. tough ass, you know? you made it okay for the kids to see a lighter side of me because I'll never forget. We were struggling with a player one time and uh, nobody could figure out how to get through to this guy. And I'll never forget the day that we'd been racking our brains around it, racking our yeah, brains. We were in the weight room and we were in the weight room and you literally looked at me. I could still see you. And I think coach Gray was there and you said, you said, have we ever thought about asking that kid how his day was going yeah. or what he had for lunch? I'll never forget that. And occasionally you'll hear me ask kids, hey, what would you have for lunch today? And I, I remember you asking that specific kid that every day yeah. for like three months. And uh, when that started happening, we got a Absolutely. much better version of that player because I think that player realized, hey, man, dude, these guys care about me, man. They're asking me, me like, let me ask you doing, a question. You know, just so yeah. you over the last six years, you've got to really know me, and I've got to really know you, right? I I know Catherine. I know your mm-hmm. two sons. Um, you know Macy. You know yeah. Jax. My parents. If you know, if you know me, okay, then it's a lot easier for you to check me when I'm out of my zone. And it's a lot easier for you to ask me those tough questions that you wouldn't normally ask somebody, but it's because you know me. So how can Absolutely. we as coaches, how can we as coaches sit there and tell these kids certain things or feel on, like you like to say, 
be comfortable. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, to me, you shouldn't be on. You're not going to be that uncomfortable if you know the kid, if you know what they struggle with, if you know what's going on outside the ballpark. It's not that hard to have a conversation with them and find out what they're thinking. You know, how's how's your day going? Did you have a good day? Did you not have a good day? It's a lot easier to coach when you know the player, just like it's a lot easier for us to be friends if I know you. And I'm not saying be friends with the kids. I'm just saying I we can have the we can have those tough conversations with those kids. And I learned this from you. We can have those tough conversations with those kids because they know we care about them. Absolutely. Man, you got me fired up. Okay. All right. That that was awesome, Coach. Now All right. let's pivot here as we get to the end of this. Because I got four more <laughs> All questions. All right, I'll try for to answer them and, quick. and I know we were trying to keep we were trying to keep well, we were yeah, trying we're to keep it at 45 yeah. minutes. And and at, in usual fashion, anytime we try to keep it to 45, right. we end up talking for an hour and a half. So I'm going right. to combine these right. two questions into one. So you've been coaching this game for a long time. Um, talk to me about a great moment you had as a coach. If you've got a greatest moment as a coach, I'd love to hear it. If you have a, a, okay, a I'm, toughest moment as I'm a coach, a, I'm I'd love to hear that as well. For you because – I don't have a greatest moment and I don't have a worst moment. Um, my greatest moments okay. moments are when you see a kid work his tail off to get to the goal he set for himself and he finally reaches that goal or a team reaches the goal that they've set for themselves and you see how hard they've worked and you see how hard they've bought in and all that comes to fruition. That's the greatest moments for me. There, There's not a, a there's not a, championship there's not a trophy there's not a medal there's not a a winning game that I can think right off the top of my head oh that's my greatest moment as a coach because like I said the only reason I do this is for the kids and when the kids succeed those are my greatest moments and that's no lie I'm not fabricating that that is 100% where my head's at all the time it's on the kids and what the kids can accomplish for themselves with me helping them accomplish that um, my I love my that, worst coach. moments. That's awesome. And and th- you can say, "Oh, this is cliche." He he just saying this. I truly believe these are my worst moments. My worst moments as a coach is when I can no longer look at those guys in the face every day and coach them. When those kids graduate from South Florence, and I can't look them in the face every day like we had for the last ten months or the last four years, and say, "Hey, how you doing, dude?" That's that's a struggle for me. Even at the Legion Field, when I coach those guys for three plus summers, I'm like, man, I don't get to see this dude next summer. Like, he's not going to be wearing the same uniform right. I'm wearing anymore. You know, because it's all about the kids and building the relationships. It's, it's tough. And you know, of course, you keep the relationship going through texts and or phone calls or going to watch them play in college. But you know just as well as I do, it's different than coaching them on the field or in the dugout. It's just different. Dude, and I think the thing that that I, I struggle with, I mean, we're we're t- – so this is my six-year coaching. So this group of yeah. Aiden Palmer, Luke Miller, um, you know, Hunter McClary, Ben, ben Hare, uh, Hunter Matthews, Landon Matthews, 
I think I'm forgetting McClary, somebody. McClary, you said McClary. Um, this, yes, yeah, the McClary. This this group's real important to us because, like, yep. I remember when they started, you know, and it's to your point, it goes by so fast. I remember when Jr. Parker, Jake Stone. I remember my first year coaching with Ben Keen. Um, yep, they were eighth graders. And now they're freshmen in college yep. doing great things, and it, it goes so fast. I mean, I remember, um, I remember teaching my first year we're at Louis Carter st- in sixth grade. I had Aiden Palmer, Landon Matthews, Hunter McClary. Um, I think those are the only only three on the team. I, had, you, I had him in sixth grade teaching a PE man, and Palmer get, Palmer doesn't know me from the backside of the pine tree over there, but he he's talking to me about baseball like we've been buddies his whole life he telling me his goals that he wants to Forever. accomplish and you know that dude's right on the cusp of accomplishing hit the goals that he told me he wanted to cop- accomplish when he was in sixth grade and you know i am all for yes, it man. <clears throat> because that kid knew what he wanted and he set a path for himself and you know that's just to me that's awesome you know and yeah it is and the kind of I talked about this on a podcast previously. Like we talk about adversity, you know, his he's faced different adver- different types of adversity in his life. Like the initial adversity of being yep. tossed into the fire as a sophomore, and then the adversity that came. Hey, after well, don't that forget. Have hey, a lot don't of forget his freshman and, year got interrupted by COVID. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, freshman I, freshman I year is that, that 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 jump from middle school to where you're like, all right, I'm finally playing some big boy baseball mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like ah we're gonna wait another year and then he might have thrown like seven yeah. or eight innings on jv that year and then the next year he's starting game one of the of the region play for for varsity yeah i mean it's unbelievable and like just you he's gone through those different levels of adversity though like you know he's a kid yep. that did everything right, mm-hmm. worked his ass off. And I remember we've had ex- numerous, numerous conversations about, you know, his path to where he's at right now was kind of unconventional yeah. in the way that like normally kids have the year that he had as a sophomore and people are lining up at the door to sign that kid. And, and you know what? And, he uh, is, he, like you said, people usually line up at the door. Um, and, you know, in the long scheme of things, they, they really have it. And, you know, he's 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 put that in the back of his mind. Like, I'm going to prove, kind of like me as a junior, I'm going to prove the type of player I am, and I'm going to show, you know, that my hard work will pay off. Yeah. yeah. I'm keeping receipts. And, you know, that's a testament. That's a yeah, testament to him. He's always kind of played with Chip That's a testament show. to his dad. Um, you know, that's a testament to um, – just the type of kid he is, man. And you know, our team is filled with those kids from from ninth grade to, oh, to senior year. You nailed it. You know, or to seniors. Um I look I look forward to watching some of those young kids grow too because you know just as well as I do, they got a lot of growing to do. But we're gonna get them there. They're gonna get there. And you know, the future the, the future is bright for South Florence baseball. Um but all right, coach. All right, Coach Hammond, on, on to the next question. I love it, man. Okay. All right, yeah, sorry. I, I, we, <laughs> we're getting long-winded. It's okay, though. I, I could do this all night. Okay, all right, all right. last two questions, I promise. Um, well, actually, all right, just all right. Just, just one little other question. 
Did you happen to get a peek at the rankings today? You know what? I'm going to tell you one thing. It's a testament to our kids and the drive that they have. I didn't hear not a single player say anything about the rankings today at practice, and I knew some of them knew. And, you know, that just tells me that they're – that just tells me it's that their focus different. level is on another level that they don't even concern themselves with that. But I will say I'm super proud of this group of kids and, and the effort that they put in early in this season. And, you know, being ranked number one, that's great. I'm happy for them. But the job's not done, and they know the job's not done. And to me, that just shows you how special this group is. And um, I got a lot of confidence, like I told you earlier. It don't matter what race we're in. We got a bunch of horses in that dugout, and I'll go to battle with them any day. You nailed that. Okay. All right. right. I just want to get your take on that. I'm right there with you. Okay. All right. So you've seen this game change tremendously from the time you were a kid to where where it is now, uh, now that you're a coach. Uh, Everything's changed from, like, you know, the parents to the players, the coaches may be a little bit different. So we won't talk about all that stuff. We'll save that for another podcast. But, you know, if you could flip a switch, if you could change one thing about today's Well, I think we've already hit on that a little bit um, earlier. Um, I'll just go back um, to my original thoughts on on the players. and, And, you know, I think when the kids enter high school baseball, that being afraid to fail type, um, aspect of their life, it, they need to be able to be okay with failure. They need to be able to learn from it. And I think a lot of them struggle with, like I said earlier, oh, I struck out. So, oh my God, everybody's looking at me. I struck out. Instead of thinking, why did I strike out? Did I swing at good pitches? Was my timing right? Did I watch good pitches? You know, their mind goes to the distraction part of it. Well, God, I wonder what my dad thinks of me or I wonder what coach thinks of me when they should really be up there analyzing, you know, the at-bat. Did I, did, I, did I swing at good pitches? Well, no, I didn't. So maybe next time when I get up there to bat, I need to pick out better pitches to swing at. Well, is my, my swing's good, but my timing's off. So, I mean, there's different aspects of the game that I think they could benefit from if at an earlier age it would be, if it was taught to them, it's okay to fail. Um, And I think another thing is, you know, I think you and Coach Allison talked about it, the pace of the game, man. You know, pace of the game is a little bit more in going from middle school to JV to JV to varsity to varsity to college, college to professional. It's going to change. You have to change with it or you will get left behind. You can't continue to do the same stuff over and over again. And, you know, I I think we had a kid a few years ago, um, you know, he didn't want to change his his stance or his batting or how he held the bat or how his timing mechanisms. He didn't want to change anything. I guess he was okay with being a, you know, a 180 hitter. But, you know, the kids need to understand it's okay to change what you it's okay to change what you've known okay if it's not working you have to be able to make right. adjustments and i think the kids have adapt. a hard time making those adjustments because that's all they've known is this is how i've done it my whole life 
and that's okay. That might have got you through rec ball. That might have got you through travel ball. That might have got you through JV. But it's not going to get you through varsity. You have to be willing to adapt to the level of play so that you can be successful. And I think some of the kids struggle with that. I think I, I think it's a it's a deeper rooted problem um, that I don't. Yeah, let's let's not get you. You don't want to get me going tonight. on this one, but to your point, yeah, don't get me going on that. But you're you're absolutely right. I, it's I, one of the most. I know yeah. you got a young one, and yeah. I know you got a young one. You got to go. All right, I'll skip this question. I'll, okay. I'll skip that part. All right, last thing. Yep. All right, ten years from now, um, where do you want to be? Hopefully, I'll have. What do you want to be doing? Be a head coach somewhere. Um, I'd love for that opportunity to be at South Florence. Um, you know, Coach Gray has given me opportunity to build a family type atmosphere and, and, and being at South Florence. And, you know, I'm not sure how long Coach Gray's got left in the tank. Um, but, you know, I'm hope whenever he decides that, um, you know, his time of coaching baseball is over with and, and, and he's happy with his career and, and, and what he's accomplished that, I'll get an opportunity to at least interview for that job and, and um, be a part of the South Florence community for years to come. But, you know, if, if that's not part of the plan, you know, that, you know, I, I can adapt. But, you know, hopefully I get opportunity to be a head coach one day, you know, at, at, at the least 10 years from now. Um, but my, my – I have I have no I have no doubt you'll be a head coach in the, for the, in next, the next ten, 10 years. years. But, a great one at that. Um, yeah, but that, that that's kind of what I want to do, man. But you know, if if that's not God's plan for me, um, if it doesn't work out, and you know, I end up, you know, being at home and and coaching jacks and and going to rec ball games, you know, that'll be okay too. But you know, my my heart is with mentoring kids and and coaching kids, and um, I hope. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now, I'm still doing that um, and, and doing it with the people I love and <clears throat> just, uh, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that'll uh, come to That's fruition awesome, one day. Hey, I say this all the time, man, you know, being in the coaching profession, our jobs to leave this world better than we found it. And what I can tell you is, coach every day you go out there you're you're making a positive impact on the world and you're embracing hey i appreciate that you're embracing that transformational coaching mindset and you're definitely leaving the world better than you you found it so i just wanted to thank you for coming on tonight and sharing with the world a little bit about coach Rhodes dickerson uh my brother the guy that you know Hey, I love going to battle with you every day of the week as well man and uh i'm glad that the world's not going to get an opportunity to to hear a little piece, get a little snippet of what you're all about. Cause like I said, you're, you're a blessing to these kids, you're a blessing to this baseball program and uh, wherever you land in the next 10 years, I, I hope it's here at South Lawrence. Um, wherever that is, I know you're going to continue making a positive impact on the well, world. So I just wanted to thank you again for, for coming on and, 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 well, and sharing I, I this hour. I appreciate you having me on here, man. And, and you know, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast and, and the information you're spilling out into the world and, you know, every time I listen to your podcast, I'm thinking, man, that sounds like me and Coach Hyman having a conversation, man. I, I love listening to it. 
I, I certainly appreciate that, man. And thank you for continuing to give me that. You know, it gives me, when I hear stuff like that, it gives me the fire to keep on getting out and, and competing and doing it. So I'll tell you right. what, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, let's go get us a big dub tomorrow night, open region playoff uh, with a bang. And, uh, you know, you're more hey, than welcome hey, to come on I, here anytime you want to talk baseball, game, coach. Be one and oh, baby. Be one and oh. B1 and O, B1 and O. All right, All right coach, man. we're going to wrap it up. Thank you to everybody who's uh, taking so, an opportunity to listen to the podcast. Please continue to like, like, follow, sorry, subscribe, it was such um, <laughs> share it with a friend. Hey, man. Hey, this was pure audio gold, <laughs> as Coach Sheets likes to say. But anyways, uh, for Coach Dickerson, for Coach Hyman, this is the Transformational Coaching Podcast. Until next time, be cool and Love go Bruins. Bruins. See ya. Later. Yeah. Love you, man. I'll see you.